previously on the Sunless Citadel. Slowly you're able to drag the door open, almost as if it was a vault door, which implies this place was sealed. As you approach, the light glows a little bit brighter, faintly but growing. A weird brooding song starts to emanate. The song takes hold of Seeker's and Mortis's psyche. Something is something is wrong in that room with that orb. I think you're right. It seems seems magical in nature. Methuselah is enchanted by this music in a sort of different way than, you know, obviously everyone else. So they're taking out Yorick and they're actually going to start playing along to the music. The inspiration takes hold of Methuselah. Deep within your heart, you feel that a connection is made. I would say that you can add to your spell list. The spell is called Cause Fear. You are greeted towards this stale-aired room. Along the walls on both sides, there is big lizard-like heads. Well, I, I suppose we can try to go across. I'm not sure what everyone else is doing, but... As you guys start to walk forward, you guys step onto a pressure plate. The heads it starts to spill greenish liquid. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storytellers Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon, or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? And then you like do a huge leap back. Ash, roll for me a d8. A d8. Meanwhile, everybody else roll their dexterity saving throws. Um, that would be a five. So I suppose I took five acid damage. You take five acid damage. I got a thirteen. Damn. I got a six. I got a 23. I'm doing very well today. Okay, so Methuselah and Mortis are quick enough to see the liquid projectiles just being spit out of the mouths of these sculptures. And you guys dart back as fast as possible 
because this is not water. You guys can easily see through the light of the of the torch that it's greenish in color. So, and it hits one of the surfaces and it starts to sizzle a little bit before it falls down and drips all the way down to the drainage. You guys bolt back, and but it's water being spit everywhere. There is like droplets and things that fall on you no matter what. You guys still suffer two points of acid damage. Meanwhile, Thorn was just having fun and did not pay attention when the spit came in and he hits his chest, hurting him with a total of four acid damage before he charges back in pure instinctual survival to not get corroded away by the acid. Was there a door ahead? There was, yeah. Because I was about to say, could we go to that door, like, make a break for it? I'll say that you move forward then. Honestly, I was thinking of doing the same. Like, I feel like just okay. mentally, it makes more sense to go forward than back. So you guys move forward. Although it's a little bit longer, you guys just still move forward. And you guys are quick enough that you're still hurt by the acid, but not hurt too much. I'm not going to allow the same for Thorn and Seeker because they were closer to the door, so it makes sense that when they escaped, you would be by the door that they entered. When Seeker gets out of the room, they're going to kind of like get onto the floor, pull their boot off, and you know how cats do that thing where they lick their feet? They're just going to do that and try and like, you know, tend to their wound. It burns a little bit of your fur, but luckily, you're able to pull that fur out before it starts to actually grow yeah. more into your skin. And then instinctively, you just start licking that area more for self-esteem than anything else. You know, something that makes you feel better. Yeah. And then after that, they're just going to curl into a little cat ball and just wait for their friends to come back. <laughs> uh, I just want to describe that as Seeker is on the ground and curled in the ball, Seeker notices that they're breathing very heavily, almost if they are fatigued. It's draining this moment. It was draining more than they thought it would be, but the difference is that although now you're calming down, the lightheadedness does not diminish and you feel a little bit woozy while you're on the ground, like the room is spinning in itself. They're gonna go into the, like, their pocket and they have a little cat toy in there that helps them with prayer and they're gonna kind of like play with it and pray to the cat lady to help them in this time so um they're just gonna kind of like ask for guidance and assistance to get through this and like as they're praying they're gonna like close their eyes okay okay thorn you are in the same room as seeker is on the ground now has just grabbed the toy from their pouch and started playing with it in a very uh, vulnerable and very meek way when you also notice that you are also feeling woozy. Maybe it was the rush of adrenaline that kicked in, but now you're like feeling as if like you got hit upside down the head and still kind of like whoa. Thorn's probably gonna go like full like crazed maniac mode and like probably run out of the room because he's like must find Mortis, must find way around Mortis, Mortis. Uh, you go back into the room of the hallway. You 
find both Mortis and Methuselah both pressed themselves against the other side of the hallway so they are not being touched by the spitting um, acid that is still flying around. No more than 30 seconds afterwards, the spitting stops and residue of the acid starts to slowly drip towards the drainage on the ends of the hallway. As I see kind of Thorn kind of coming into this room, I'm going to be like, Oh, Thorn, my friend, ah, just be careful. Thorn's middle name is I am not careful. Um, he spins around in the in a circle on all fours and like starts bolting on all fours towards Mortis, like a dog that has not seen its owner in like 15 years. Mortis just like futilely shouts out like, be careful, there might still be some on the ground. And as Mortis says this, he just witnessed on a full force crazied goblin charge in through the middle of the room and five feet after it hits the pressure plate, which starts to spinning all over again. Uh, but if I understand correctly, Thorn is determined. Thorn is on the mission and no spitting will stop him. Give me a dexterity saving throw with disadvantage. You are beelining this, but you're not trying to avoid things. See, I blessed your dice. I did. I took them into my hands and I, I like put them on my fingers and I got my sweat on them. <laughs> I got a 16 even with disadvantage. Alright. Maybe it's your size. Maybe it's your speed. But you are so determined. So fast that although you still get some of the uh, small droplets left and right, only one point of acid damage is gone through you. Nothing like a goblin on a mission. <laughs> I imagine that when Thorn is close enough, he really, like leaps like a rabbit and just like clings to the front carapace of Mortis's shell. Mortis has like such a dad moment of like, I'm happy to see you, but like, you need to not be so reckless. You could have been hurt for God's, for she's sake. You notice, Mortis, that as Thorn does this big leap with this big spoon maneuver to connect with your carapace and stay latched to it, you realize that Thorn for a split second loses his strength and you instinctively catch him with your hand and that makes Thorn regain his senses really quick. You are completely woozy, like you lost your balance and almost lost your consciousness for this split second. But you're back and happy to be with Mortis. Oh, this feels worse than the time I ate those mushrooms. Uh, if, if you need to ride in the shell for a bit, you're, you're always welcome. <laughs> Thorn just like slowly climbs up Mortis's front and like goes into the shell. Uh, where, where's Seeker? On the other side, I left them. Uh, we should we should make sure that they're all right. Uh, maybe I could sort of guide them back once the spitting is done. Very well. Just make sure not to press the pressure plate this time. Yes, I know where it is, and 
I will look out for it. I will give this to you guys because especially now, you guys had nothing else to do except for looking at a crazy goblin charging into this room and activating the pressure plate. This pressure plate is huge. It's 10 feet by 10 feet. There's no running past. There's like no way of you not activating it unless you do an Olympic long jump. <laughs> I got it. How far away is Seeker from us right now? He's in the other room, at least 20 feet because that's Perfect. the hallway. That's all I need. So I'm going to like look at the pressure plate and I'm going to like realize that I do not have athletic legs. My wife had thunder thighs that could probably jump this because she was a hero and awesome and powerful. I am just small and thin and can't lift anything. So I'm gonna realize, hmm, maybe it's not a real good idea. And then I'm gonna turn around and look at Mortis and be like, um, can you sort of turn around for a second and just not not look this way? Uh, sure. He doesn't even question it. He just he just does it. And then I'm going to take off my glove. And instead of there being like a normal hand, is this ethereal hand that just kind of like tapers at the wrist and then there's literally nothing and then it's forearm. So there's like a gap between it as there's these ethereal kind of hand. And that's my mage hand. Um, so I'm going to like move the mage hand across the room towards where Seeker is, you know, having a woozy time playing. All right. So your hands slowly glides to the other side of the hallway. Uh, what's the extent? Uh, it's 30 feet. 30 feet. So you have 10 more feet within the other room to do whatever you want to. Here's the thing. You're going in blind now. It's equivalent of like, you know, like fear factor where you're putting your hand somewhere <laughs> that you can't see. I know. I'm just gonna, as soon as I like kind of go into the room and I can't see, the hand is just probably gonna go to the ground and start like feeling around like thing, thing from, from the Adams family. <laughs> just like this hand kind of like moving around, just like trying to find a seeker. I'm going to say that Seeker has the opportunity to notice this before your hand actually finds it. More likely it is for them to notice over <laughs> your hand actually finding them. Roll a perception check with disadvantage because you are more focused about your toy than actually looking yeah, around. Yeah, that's fair. That's going to be a 16 with disadvantage. In the peripheral of your vision, you see a weird object thing? You don't know what it is. And then you take a closer look, like you just tilt your head towards the direction of this thing. And you see a disembodied hand, somewhat translucent, just palpitating the ground as if it was looking for something. Because they've just been praying, can they think in their head that this is some kind of thing from the cat lady? And like, if it turns out that it was 
not from the cat lady, they're gonna find a way to justify it being from the cat lady. So Seeker is gonna kind of, and as I mentioned before, it's very rare that they'll be on all fours. They're just gonna kind of like pat along on all fours. The, the cat toy clenched in their teeth and then just following the mage hand. But like, they're gonna like bat it with their paw. At some point, you feel a light tap of a furred hand on top of your hand. Uh, kind of, the hand is just gonna rise up and just kind of wave. I think I found Seeker, and I'm just gonna wave. You heard that from across the room. And I'm gonna try to like, do like a gesture, like, which is, you can't see my hand <laughs> motions. <laughs> Seeker is just gonna like, pat along, following the mage hand. It's like, come here kitty kitty, come here kitty kitty. <laughs> Cat instinct has taken over. I just picture you like snapping with the mage hand, like, come on, come on. <laughs> You're able to lure Seeker back to the threshold of the door. And Seeker, you're able to see in the far end of the corridor, Mortis looking to the other side. Maybe his eyes squinted close? I don't know. I was actually going to say, um, while Mortis is turned, I assumed he's to- turned towards the exit door, right? So I was going to say, while this is going on, he's going to like, not like open it, open it, but he's just going to kind of feel it out, see if there's any sort of, if it's like extra heavy or if it's there's any sort of significance to it. Yeah, I'll describe it really quick. Yeah. It is a stone door again. It seems to be similar to the one that entered this room, not as heavy as the first one. And this one, you pull inwards, different from the one that entered this room that you pushed outwards. Almost as if they wanted people to have a hard time getting out of this place. So that's what you see in a very superficial look. Uh, Seeker, you see Mortis, he's facing the door, and you see Methuselah with one of their severed arms towards you, and there's the hand still telling you to follow yeah and you see seeker i mean if i could describe it it's literally like when there's like no hand that's like hovering above it it is pretty much just like a stump there's no hand there so that's what you see uh so as i see like seeker uh the hand just disappears and i quickly put on the glove seeker in response to that is kind of going to be like but then they see their friends and they kind of like get up and pull the cat toy from their mouth and stick it back in their pocket. Like nobody saw that. And they're gonna call across the hallway. Now, how do I get over to y'all without, you know, setting off that, that terrible, terrible acid again? Uh, Morris just hears Seeker's voice like, oh, and he's like, he has a moment, he's about to turn, and he's like, oh, I'm t- uh, can I, uh, am I able to turn back now, or, or? Oh, oh, yes, yes, you're, you're all right. Ah, and he's gonna turn around and you'll see Seeker on the other side. I just want to point it out that as you notice Seeker on the other side, something else catches your attention, and that is a thorn doing in the space between your shell and your, the nape of your neck in the back here you notice a certain amount of perspiration taking place. So Thorn is sweating in there, uh, but you continue on. 
<laughs> he probably like notices it, but he doesn't. He doesn't feel the need to point it out right now. Um, he's like, I'm, I'm not gonna judge my son. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, so he's just gonna. He's just gonna look over. Uh, well, I I hate to ask this, but do you think you'll you'd be able to jump it, Seeker? It is important to say the Seeker does not know how big this platform, the pressure plate is. So for them, it could be a very small thing, maybe just sidestepping it, or they have no idea at all. Like they don't know what it is that triggers it. Well, I don't know. I don't really want to risk it. Um, is, do you think there's a there's another way that we could try? Well, I'm not sure how we can stop it because it's sort of a trap that has like an activation. So the best way is to get over it. I mean, I don't suppose since you were trying to climb the dragon heads, you could try to climb the heads over the plate rather than jumping completely over. Like it's a sort of rocky wall, if you know what I mean. It sure is possible, but in this diamond pattern uh, positioning of the plate, of the sculpture of the heads, the distance between them are a little bit too far for you to just outreach and catch the next one. A quick, a small hop in between them would be necessary, but that's likely to fall on the ground as well. You can try, just saying, it's but, not gonna be easy. So Seeker is going to just take three steps into the room, which would be, cause I'm gonna say that it's about a Halfway through the five feet. Yeah. Uh, Mortis, could you help me out by walking just a few feet? Less than, less than five feet. Very well, I, I can do that. And I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, you start to move a little bit ahead. All right. Now, Methuselah. Yes, do you Do you know how big this, this pressure plate zone is? Well, uh, from what I saw, kind of shining the light on it, it was like 10 feet by 10 feet, kind of. They're gonna do an athletics thing where they're gonna kind of like step back slightly out of the room. And they're gonna have a, like a running start, jump like kind of to the wall, like grab it briefly and then jump off. Can I do something? What is it that you It'll like? have to be like in the nick of a moment kind of thing. Okay. As like when Seeker runs and does the jump, can I cast Bardic Inspiration and do like a little cool ditty? Oh, I love it. Alright, so, Bardic Inspiration. Yeah. Would you like to walk back as you see Seeker winding up? I mean, I feel like if I was like, oh, but before you do that, what what is it that you want me to do here? Stay right there. But if it looks like it's going to go poorly, run. Yeah, I, I can try to catch you if you need. If you see it going poorly and you don't feel like running, catch me and then run. That I can do. And he like flashes you a thumbs up. Row for me an acrobatics check, please. And here we go. <laughs> It's gonna be a 19. They take so many steps back that they go beyond the room, back into the previous one. Winds up, collects themselves, and visualize 
what they are meant to do. They visualize the jump, they visualize the connecting of their foot onto the, the wall and jumping, seeing the amazed yet alarmed face of Mortis and landing beside him. And with it, they are confident. And it starts one step in front of the other, the distancing, closing, and with each step, you are about to get there, you hop. There's a moment of flight, the take off from the gravity. As you hear in the distance, a quick paced tempo that increases you with inspiration. It charges your breath, fills your lungs with fire. And with the quick drift of the lever, making the song elongate into an interesting tune, almost sounds like a rift, you see yourself mid-flight and you have the moment to touch the wall. You receive the connection. Take the momentum to allow your leg to compress and then you extend. As you do so, the rift continues in intensity, making the situation become even more dramatic. The face of Mortis becomes weirdly alarmed as you land perfectly beside him and in the momentum, you do a nice roll and you are now just a few feet away from the door. And I play you out, of course. Thank you, Methuselah. Thank you, great cat lady. Oh, I couldn't have done this without you. <laughs> or it just like breaks out into applause. He's just like, well, well done, my friend. You didn't need any help. Brilliant. Um, Methuselah like takes some of the uh, chrysanthemum petals and just starts throwing them at Seeker. Seeker's gonna catch them so that when this victorious moment is over, they can return them to their friend because they know how special these flowers are to them. Thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> and with that, you guys are in the other end of this hallway. You guys finally find yourselves in front of the stone door after struggling to get past that pressure plate. What do you guys do now? Well, uh, should we proceed? We have everyone with us now. Is Seeker still feeling that lightheadedness? Not at first. After you situate yourself in front of the door, past the pressure plate, safely away, you feel this wave of wooziness to come over you and you lose your balance. Like you easily go to one knee and you put your hand on the ground to get yourself grounded again. Is there any nausea that accompanies it? More lightheadedness than anything. Okay. No nausea, perspiration. You start to sweat okay. a lot. Okay. As if you, as if this jump and run it was the entire day of work in just these few moments. And is that loss of balance more than anything? Um, Methuselah is like gonna kind of help Seeker like so they don't fall to their knees. Seeker, what, what's, what's wrong, my friend? I just, I feel a little bit lightheaded, like I've been doing a lot more work today than I really have, specifically in that moment right there. Well, oh, perhaps maybe we should take a rest so that, uh, you know, we can get some vigor back. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's That sounds like a good idea. Can I try to do like a just tertiary like medicine check on Seeker just to see if there's like anything? I would allow it. A 19. Seeker is sweating profusively. They are 
with short breaths inconsistent to their normal pattern. They also have lost balance completely. And they have an overall sense that this overall look that is not okay. They are ill in some way. They don't know exactly how. They are just not healthy right now. So seeing Seeker kind of like look very ill, it kind of like harkens back to the last time that Methuselah um, saw their wife. And so that kind of like sends like this jolt of like momentary fear that runs through them. So Methuselah is going to help kind of Seeker go to a wall and lean against it and, and rest for the time. And, and then I'm going to turn to Mortis and be like, um, Mortis, uh, uh, do you know about sort of diseases or sicknesses? Well, to, to be perfectly honest with you, my my wife was more more of a healer than than myself, but uh, I I I have rudimentary healing abilities. Uh, unfortunately, if I had more power, I, I might be able to cure disease. But I, I, at the moment, I seem to be. I, I, I believe I've spent a lot of my power for for the time being. Well, I, I don't mean that, you know, having healing powers, but maybe figuring out what's sort of wrong with a person. I, I know you, you're probably not a, a healer, but you might have picked up some sort of knowledge about how to understand what's wrong with someone. Well, in my experience with disease, uh, it's it's a tricky thing. It's, it's important to determine whether the cause is natural or magical, as that would determine what the cure would be. Uh, I'm, I can try to analyze Seeker, but I, I'm not sure how much success I'll have. So Mortis, with that in mind, he's going to walk over to Seeker and sort of take off his left gauntlet. He's going to hold his hand down and be like, I'm just going to analyze you for a moment, if that's all right. Meow. Promise this won't hurt a bit. He's gonna put his—he's gonna gently put his hand on Seeker's chest, and he's going to, in his other hand, he's gonna have the symbol of his goddess. And he's just gonna be like sort of slowly praying, and I imagine as he's doing the lay on hands, there's like a soft white light that comes up from from his left hand, and he's gonna try to see if he can figure out what's wrong. Go right ahead with your check, please. I only got a 10. 10 was the DC. <laughs> You're not very well versed in healing and medicine. All that you know comes from one source, your late wife. But as you're thinking about her, this exterior understanding fills into your mind to complement what you have. And based on the past experiences that you guys have had going through the travel to here, the traps, the combats, something pinpoints into your brain. And you remember that the rats that you guys fought, some of them bit Thorn. And there was one rat that secret, sad rat, did not look to be the healthiest of rats. 
some sort of disease or viruses was caught by the two of them at that moment. So that is the information to which you understand within you. Of course, there's still a margin for error, but you're confident about this. Uh, From what I can understand, I, I believe that some of these rats that we encountered are not poisonous, but they they were very ill. Uh, I'm not, like I said, unfortunately, I don't have enough power in me at the moment to heal, perhaps after a rest, but who knows, perhaps a rest would be enough to cure you. Uh, We should should be careful, though, as uh, some of us did suffer wounds from these rats. We, We should make sure that none of us are too ill to go on. Yes, I, I do think Thorn did suffer. Is, is Thorn doing all right in your shell? Uh, from what I can tell, he seems slightly more tired than normal. Uh, I, I, from uh, comparing him to Seeker, it's possible that he he's also ill. Well, if you'd like to check on him, then you're welcome to. But I think that right now we we deserve a sort of rest. To recuperate. I agree. However, uh, is this place safe? I don't think any place is safe, to be honest. A fair point, my friend. Well, uh, perhaps we should investigate slightly into the next room, see if perhaps that would be more hospitable, just, just so we don't risk the possibility of these mechanisms going off and dousing us in acid. How about, um, if you can open the door, I can go first so that you're not endangering Thorn as well by going first. That's very honorable of you. Well, that sounds agreeable. Let's do it. You push the door open and you go in with the torch, right, Mephuselah? Yes. As you go in, there is this large room covered, covered in dust you see the huge body of the Dark Warden as he raises his paw towards another member of his cult, another member of his subordinate class under him, one of his servants, and he crushes this person down, and then he raises his head up to do a mighty roar of anger. That is when you realize that in the far end, there is a sculpture of a dragon that is 10 feet tall in a very similar position as when the Dark Warden was angry that one day. Can I do a wisdom save? Sure. I get my bardic inspiration back because I rolled a one. May I take the reins on this one? Sure. The memory of the warden crushing one of his subordinates, one of his subjects, for such a small mistake, such a small error, brings you the pain to stay paralyzed in this moment, the same way that you were paralyzed within the Dark Warden's garden. Moments pass in silence. Mortis, it's taking a while in there. 
do I see the Methuselah just standing there? Because I didn't like, I'm not hiding behind the door. I kind of like opened it and I'm like peeking through. I'll say that you peek every so often. And on the third peek into this room, when you see Methuselah still standing in the same position and the same place, maybe there's something wrong. Um, uh, Methuselah, are you, are you all right? You're, you seem to be a bit uh, shocked. No response from Methuselah. Oh dear. Um. Uh, are they all right? Uh, from what I can tell, they're just standing there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. A little bit of the strength from Seeker starts to come back. Slowly, you're still feeling a little bit lightheaded, but you have enough to be able to stand up. Uh, all right. Um, Thorn. He just like looks back to his shell and calls for Thorn. Thorn. How's Thorn doing? So you turn your head quite well, and with your peripheral, you see Thorn pretty much like face planted <laughs> onto your back. Oh my god. He's still breathing, though. That's the most important. When Thorn hears his name being called, he's like. Oh dear. Um, oh well. Um, Seeker, I'm just going to check on Methuselah. All right? It is important to say, though, that <laughs> Thorn, although you are feeling sick, um, lightheaded, and sweating a lot, at that one time that you were placed into the shell, you needed a rest. By now, you're feeling better. Not like normal, but better. Uh. Yeah, if you if you could check on Methuselah, I I really don't want them to get hurt too. I promise I won't leave you alone for long. Oh, that's quite all right. And their hand is gonna kind of like slip into their pocket, and they're just gonna like play with their cat toy within their pocket. So yeah, the Mortis is gonna slowly sort of creep into the room behind behind Methuselah. Methuselah is just standing and just staring at this uh, this statue of a dragon with its like claw raised. This image of a dragon that is 10 foot tall, it's somewhat reeling back. This sculpture seems to be made of some sort of white marble because the coloration is much different from the rest of the uh, of the stone around it. Uh, Mortis kind of he gives the statue like a passing glance as he as he walks up to Methuselah, but he doesn't really sort of focus on it. As he's approaching him, he kind of just keeps saying, "He's like uh, Methuselah, are, are you all right?" As you kind of get a lot closer, you can start to hear Methuselah just mutter under their breath, "Just play music, just play music. He he, he won't he won't hurt you." You'll be able to escape. You'll be able to go home. You'll find Chrysanthemum again. He won't be able to hurt you. It's all right. You'll be fine. Just keep playing music. As he hears this, Mortis just slow. He, like a sort of look of sadness comes onto his face, and he comes closer. And then he like gently puts a hand on Methuselah's shoulder and just says, "It's not real. It's all right. You're safe, my friend." Methuselah like just kind of snaps out of it and just like slowly turns their head towards like Mortis and says, 
Oh. Hello, friend. Is everything all right? I sort of snapped out of it for a second there. Uh, well, I, I was calling out to you, but you seemed in a sort of trance. Uh, you, are you, you all right? Can I look up at the statue again and see if it is the Dark Warden? You look at the statue, and none of the distinguishing features of the Dark Warden is in this statue. I thought I, I thought I saw something. Just a statue, it seems. Well, it's natural. We're in a very stressful environment, and you might have just perceived it as being real. Uh, I, I know I would be just as petrified if I came face to face with the dragon. Oh yes, terribly miserable things they are. Fear not. We're, we're all right. You're safe. There are no dragons here, as far as we can tell. Well, um, I didn't quite get a good look at the room, but I think right here is seems safe. Are, are you certain you would be comfortable resting in front of this statue? I understand that even though it's not real, it, it could still induce a certain amount of fear. Oh, it's alright, I don't have to blink. <laughs> he kind of just gives a concerned look. I can just keep my eyes open, and then I won't see it. Very well, if, if, if you're certain. Um, shall I go grab uh, a Seeker then, so we can begin preparations. Yes, I'll, I'll make a nice spot for us. Very well. Uh, be safe, my friend. Everything will be alright, I promise. And then he's just gonna kinda head back to the other room. You head back, find Seeker waiting for you, just by the door. Ah, Seeker. Uh, you'll be happy to know that Methuselah is fine. Uh, just had a bit of a fright, but uh, the next room is safe if if you'd prefer, just so you and Thorn can get some rest. Oh, that would be, that would be absolutely lovely. And I, I figured Methuselah would be alright. They do pretty well with odd, weird, mysterious things, and I really admire that about them. As do I. <laughs> we are lucky to have them at our side. Oh, absolutely. We'd probably be lost without them. As this is happening, I imagine, like, Morris just kind of puts... Seeker's arm over over his shoulder and just sort of guides them to to the next room. Uh, anything that you do, Mephusla, while this conversation takes place? I'll find like I don't know, like a wall or something in kind of view of the dragon statue, so that I can always kind of see it because I'm a little paranoid now about it. And then I'll like kind of just take a seat, just sit against the wall on the floor, just in front of the dragon. There seems to be a dusted covered rug, very well crafted and like weaved together. The dust covers most of the distinguishing features of this rug, but with a good shake, you would be able to see more. There is debris in some corners or crack in the ends, either closer to the roof or closer to the, to the ground, but there is certain tilings onto the edges of this room, almost as if it was creating a border of sorts. And these stylings do have these twin curved horns on them as part of the composition of this tiling structure. There are spots of squares on the walls as if there was art pieces once put it in there, but still like very covered in dust. That's what gives that impression that a long time ago this once was habited, but you don't know how long ago. And on that end, it's the farthest away from the statue 
but still be able to visibly see it. Yeah, so I'll, I'll settle there and just kind of like wait for my friends. And they step in. Mortis is going to kind of guide Seeker to over to where Methuselah is and it's going to be like, all right, uh, well, uh, perhaps we could smart start a small fire maybe and prepare our bedrolls and we can get everything going. Yes, I suppose so. I don't know if we would want to do a longer rest or something a little bit shorter. Depends on how ill I guess everyone is. Well, uh, Seeker and Thorn do seem like they need a lot of healing, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take the decision out of their hands. Uh, I, f- I feel like I could, I could do as a little bit of a longer resting period. Just so I can maybe guarantee that I'll get my strength back. And then Mors like does the rotate head thing and he's talks into his shell again. Thorn, would you prefer to rest for a long time or just have a bit of a shorter rest? And he looks up. Is that you, God? I believe that Thorn would prefer a longer rest as well. All right, then we can do that. I, I'm not really in need of a long rest, so if you'd like, Mortis, you're welcome to sleep. I can take watch for the whole time, if necessary. Or on your own, are you sure? Well, uh, uh, we'll be right beside each other, so if anything happens, I can wake anyone here. Uh, all right, if you're certain, just, just remember, you're safe. There are no dragons here. Everything will be okay. Yes, I don't suppose a dragon would fit here. Exactly. They're big and fat and ugly. Indeed, very. Seeger is gonna pull their bedroll from their bag and like lay it out and then just curl into a ball in the center of it, covered in the bl- and Faith's blanket that they stole from their parents' apartment at the, uh, cat castle while still wearing also wearing faith's cloak and there's they're gonna shove their cat toy just kind of like tucked like in the crook of their neck area and just fall asleep i have a question what is the cat toy it's like one of those little mouse toys so i'm gonna say one of those mouse toys made of cloth right sewn by hand yeah yeah. It it was made by their mom. Thorn probably just stays curled up in Mortis's shell. Mortis like was a little skeptical, but eventually he agreed. He's like, alright. But then before he drifts off to sleep, he's like, remember, if anything at all happens, or even if you're just hurting for conversation, just give me a tap and I'll be right up. Oh yes, I'll be very vigilant. <laughs> I trust you. As people are going to sleep, I would like to kind of play a song on my hurdy-gurdy, which is a song of Valakaris. Through light and soft tunes, Methuselah starts to tell the tale of his salvation. He talks about how after years and years, where time seems to be completely stopped, Hope dwindling as the days go by. The only thing that keeps him alive is the memory of his lovely wife. 
under the gaze of the hateful and vile Dark Warden, no salvation seemed to come in the morning. But one night in the end of your strife, battle cries and sounds of clashes of steel brings up hope and your heart is filled with zeal. As it breaks down the door, this warrior, dragonborn of yore, a beautiful fighting maiden with wings as bright as sunlight, clad in plate armor like an angel in red scale hide. She extends a hand and takes you away from the darkness as she asks you for help in finding the Dark Warden's lair. Something you never thought you could dare, but you find your courage and bring her towards his garden and where he loves to spend time amongst trees and flowers. She raises her two-handed sword, a bastard blade forged in strife and rebellion fire and strikes down this mighty corruptive dragon. His bones and blood litters the garden as finally your torture dwindles under dusk light and concludes your ballad with a sorrow tone. Mortis, I feel like you would be entitled to a history check if you do so want. If you want, religion check. Okay. I only got a 10. It's very common knowledge. Of course, this tale doesn't come from your places of origin. Where you guys come from, there is the legend of the contrasting deities. But in the lands of mountain and rock, industrial lands, the legends are different. Their legends are that of strife, of rebellion, of war, where their deities fought against the mighty draconic empire. An empire that was real long, long ago, centuries ago. And it was through the guidance and through the sheer power of their deity of the dragonborn deity, Valakaris, the proud warrior goddess. In the lore, Valakaris was a goddess of battle, a goddess of war, and she took part into the rebellion physically, descended from the heavens to give strength to the poor dragonborn people who were created to be subjects under the Draconic Empire, forced the Dragonborns to revere the dragons as if they were deities. Although powerful like gods, they were not gods themselves. And Valakaris, together with her company of warrior deities, provided the strength and everything that they needed to overthrow their powerful subjugators. 
But the interesting thing is that in the lore, Valakaris, she participated in battles, not in random rescues, not in prison breakouts, much less fought on one-on-one against the dragon. Of course, that in the lore, she was head-spearing against hordes of dragons and killing them with swings of her mighty golden-bladed sword. But more in epics, not something as simple as this. It's kind of minimalistic in a way, the way that the is singing. But it's still a very sad, toned ballad. It's still really pretty, though. Is, could Seeker potentially be conscious enough to, like, insight something about Methuselah? Considering that you're in and out, I will allow it, but with disadvantage. That is fair. Just trying to discern if this song came from actual events that Methuselah witnessed. Uh, I got a seven on the insight. <laughs> It is hard to discern. You don't know for sure. Maybe there is a disease that is making it hard to focus. But something deep in you is uncertain if this is real or if this is fiction. It's just, you can't put your finger on it. I feel like Mortis, like, even though he recognizes the goddess, he, he doesn't press it at all. He kind of just slips back into sleep like it does the old man thing where like you know how like a dad will sit in his recliner and just have his eyes closed <laughs> he's just doing that but like on his shell god i love mortis <laughs> old dad man let us then proceed to methuselah rolling a perception check please as you are staying awake 19 my rolls are doing really well today bro 19 is like our magic number today <laughs> 19. It is quiet throughout your watch. The best part of four hours and a half has already passed through. Staring towards the statue in the far end never ceases. Of course, you're focused. Therefore, you're aware of anything. All the whistlings of the wind, all the rumblings of the, of the ground. But nothing breaks your focus. And you know that that statue is looking at you. As Methuselah is like up this whole time, despite being alone, as he's so often been for long, long time, he actually doesn't feel alone because he is with friends. Unfortunately, you've reached the end of this episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corden, 
from Off the Beaten Path musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast, and the world of Nosamundos was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Now take this bardic inspiration for your next adventure.